Hey, good people. Welcome to the Living Aligned podcast. I'm your host, Sasha Matt. And today we have our very first guest, Brittany Claybrooks, who is a perfect example of how bringing your whole self into whatever space you're in, especially professionally, makes you better suited to serve in a more full and authentic way. Let's jump in. Hey, good people. So today I have with me Brittany Clay Brooks, my good, good friend. I'm so excited to have you here, Brittany. We have been planning this forever. I've been trying to get you on and y'all will see why in a minute. She is amazing. I'm going to just read off in short form a little bit of what she does, which literally scratches the surface and then I'm going to let her talk. So Brittany is a grad student at NYU, the New York University. She's actually graduating in May, so that's coming up. She's a planning project manager for the city of East Orange, New Jersey, and a candidate for city council in East Orange, New Jersey. She's also from Detroit, and she went to the illustrious Florida A&M University where we met and we became good, good friends. So Brittany, Thank you so much for coming. We're so happy to have you, Brittany. Uh, yeah, no, I'm here. It's it's actually, it's an honor to be here. Um, I am, this is actually a humbling experience because um, when I think about the both of our story, how far we come to be sitting here and sharing those things is just an honor and a pleasure. And I just look forward to, you know, where where this goes oh. tonight, so I'm oh, I'm excited too, Brit. So this is like political Britney coming out now. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all like, you, you have to forgive me. So I knew, fam, you, Brittany. Now we have the <laughs> newly candidate for city council East in or East Orange, New Jersey, Brittany. Oh and so I, I'm sure we're going to be getting, getting back and forth between the two. So Brittany, in your own words, go ahead and tell us a little bit about what you do, your background, you know, you can start from however early you're willing to share and then just take us through a little bit about yourself. Okay, so um, first of all, I would be remiss if I did not give honor uh, honor and pay homage to the university that made us both, uh, Florida A&M University. I, you know, I wanted to get on here and give, you know, my family greeting the greetings. I am <laughs> you know, but I've I've moved past that um now. Um, but you know, honestly I think it's interesting that you mentioned um that I was from Detroit and then talking about FAMU and you know, kind of my journey to getting where I am because and, and I know we'll get into it later, but all those things made me into like the whole person that I am today. Um I currently like I like you said, I am graduating from grad school. Um, at you know NYU where I study urban planning and development where my focus is housing and economic development and you know I currently serve as a planning project manager in East Orange New Jersey which is a fancy way of saying that I oversee and I, I close the loops on a lot of the development that comes into the city um, and really making sure that the visions and all the new projects that we bring are aligned with what the mayor's vision is and what the administration's vision is for uh, East Orange, where mm. I live and mm. I love. And I currently am, you know, making it my my home and my place to settle. Mm. Um, 
and then which I'm extremely excited about because you'll find out a lot uh, later on about um, my moving around and trying to figure out what home really looks like and what the definition of that is. Mm-hmm. Um, but all in all, like all of it's done because I've always had this like passion to serve people. Um, yep. It's a real personal goal of mine. And I know people say it and it sounds really generic, but honestly, as I, as I become, and as I become better and as I become more and more whole over time, my mission in life is to help other people kind of do the same as I figure it out, you know, helping other people who don't really feel like it's possible for them, you know, figure it out as well. So, and I've, I love that. I absolutely love that. Let's actually, that was going to be my next question. What your ultimate goal was in your North star. You mentioned serving people and not just serving people, but helping others understand your journey as you're serving. Mm -hmm. But to dial back a little bit, you mentioned your idea of home and figuring out what home looks like. So let's start there. I know, like I said, I mentioned you're from Detroit. So take us a little bit about, take us through what home has meant to you from that point on. So, um, okay. So really it, it would be hard to start without um, mentioning that I grew up in foster care. Right. Mm. So I spent some time in foster care before I was adopted into the Claybrook family, which is where my last name comes from. And I carry that name very heavily. Um, but I, so there was this, this, constant you know kind of moving around and if it wasn't necessarily moving from place to place mm-hmm. um, it was about trying to figure out where I would fit everywhere I went I was always trying to figure out where I fit because I always had this thing like you know most people live with their biological parents or some form of biological um, sibling or aunt or uncle and so that's what I thought normal was mm-hmm. so my journey kind of started always trying to figure out as a kid what normal looked like and like having to kind of figure out like and really define one day what normal was for me and kind mm-hmm. of everywhere I went creating my own version of normal. Um, so Detroit is one of the strongest identities I've, I have because it's where I learned about inequality. It's where I learned that, you know, in our city, it's one thing or there's a town called Inkster right next to Detroit um, where it was made for black people by black people of black people all things black you can think of so I've only lived in those two places my entire life you know in my entire time living and growing up in Michigan and so I learned very early that the places that I call home which I loved and I thought you know there was nothing wrong with I learned I, I learned very early that you know the poverty and the things that we experienced was very intentional because the suburbs where I went to school um, where we were bused to school after our schools were shutting down in both. Mm. So um, in both of the cities, Inkster and Detroit, you know, we had schools that, you know, there was quite a few school closings in our, in, in black neighborhoods where I come from and, you know, having to go to the, to the school in the suburbs, it's where I learned that like inequality was real, right? Mm. It's where I learned that, you know, the grass is cut and fields aren't, you know, like the grass and fields aren't sky high where you can find bodies in them or, you know, there wasn't much abandoned property or, you know, you didn't really hear about too many shootings and all the things I heard. So that's where I kind of learned that, you know, things weren't fair. Mm. Um, so I began to early on identify with all things that were urban and black 
because that's who I was. And it wasn't until I was put in a space to realize that I was different, that that became a big part of my identity. And then when it was time to leave, to go to college, you know, I learned that, you know, I had to figure out what home would look like in the South Mm. and like understanding that this is completely different from where I'm from, where I come from is fast paced. You always trying to figure out what angle people are coming from. You don't speak to everybody. Your neighbor might be somebody that you probably, you know, may or may not talk to depending on the vibe. And then I moved to Tallahassee, Florida, and I have to figure it out all over again. Well, I'm no, I'm no stranger to that. Right. Because, you know, I was already doing it, you know, from foster care back and forth with, you know, between families. And then I get to Tallahassee and then the church becomes my home because I find God there. Mm. Right. So, so hold on before we dig into Tallahassee how do we make that jump how do we go from being in Detroit in foster care all the way on the other side of the country to now now yeah. you're all the way in the south in college like what was that okay. transition like so you know so it's interesting because I am running for office right and you never want to say too much but you know like to be real real with you I so I had, I actually got in trouble in high school, like some mm. real deep trouble where I was expelled from like all the Michigan public schools. Um, I had had a long track record of like, you know, you have good grades. I was one of those kids with the good grades, but my citizenship was like zero. Mm. Like if you had a grade below an F, for <laughs> that's the grade that I had, right? Citizenship. So, <laughs> citizenship was not my strong suit, right? Like, I, for whatever reason, you know, for all external, you know, for all the external forces that I had, like, I could not go to school and just get it together behaviorally. Mm. So I actually finally got in some trouble, you know, all the things I was involved in had caught up with me. Um, and I got into a fight, you know, in high school, in the actual, in the suburban schools where we were bused and there, there were these zero tolerance policies where you couldn't really um do anything at that point you know it was like a real fear amongst you know our white neighbors in in that community about all the black kids coming in the city so you know whenever we would fight or whenever we would be urban kids you know there were these zero tolerance sort of things mm, okay where like you're you're expelled you're suspended you know a call home might be a 10-day suspension and then you know uh, a fight might be an expulsion i I wish, though, that I could say that it was that that short of a time span. I think, you know, my case had been building for a long time. Um, so, you know, in, in that case, I had just kind of reached, you know, my limit with the school system. And I got in some trouble, right? And mm-hmm. eventually, when I got expelled from school, um, the teacher that was actually involved in the fight, she kind of vouched for me after I failed both of my uh, re-entry hearings and I would have to sit out of school for a year. So I would have graduated high school at like 19 or something. But um, she she kind of saw the potential because that was the year I actually straightened up. And it's funny how God works because you get your stuff together and all it takes is like one time, like mm. one time to pull you back in and then all of a sudden you're at square one, right? Oh, wow, um, yeah. Um, yeah, but I ended up I ended up getting into a private school um, on a voucher, and that started my educational journey. To say I told God I was like, "Look, if you get me back in school, now I don't know, you know, what it's going to be like at this private school. The little bougie kids probably going to try me, but 
But if you can get me back to school, I swear, like I promise I'm going to stay on a straight and narrow. Um, lo and behold, I made it out of high school, you know, with honors, you know, but citizenship wise, like I have, I was on like a, a notarized contract that if I got in any verbal or physical altercations, then I would, you know, my expulsion would be upheld and, you know, I would have to kind of figure it out with the public system. Mm-hmm. So by the grace of God, I was able to complete uh, private school, which was all black. Um, and that was important to me. And then we had classes like black history and like, you know, it's where I learned that, you know, black people excel and every teacher I had had like a master's degree. And so I was able to kind of see what those possibilities look like. And then I got to school in Florida and I went to Tallahassee Community College um, on in August. My parents dropped me off, having never been, you know, experienced college before. You know, they got in the car, you know, they were hopeful. I got in the car. I was hopeful. And we drove the 18 hours of Florida they dropped me off. I got an apartment. You know, I had a couple dollars in my account. They filled up my refrigerator and then started in August 2009, my educational journey in Tallahassee. So now we're in Tallahassee and I'm at Tallahassee Community College and I'm trying to figure it out. People are speaking all the time. There's grass, there's no abandonment, and, and, you know, things, everything just looks like this utopian place. It's hot all the time. Right. You know, people are nice. They ask you if you ate that day, you know, folks. And, and it's Southern, so you're dealing with Southern hospitality in addition to a college environment. Yeah, so. you know, and, and, and then I had to figure it out. So I think at that point, I was like, okay, God, you know, um, I don't really know how to do this thing with you for real, but I do know when people, you know, are figuring out you're like the first thing they look to. So let's figure out what this, you know, what we're doing here. And that started my journey in Tallahassee and, and home. It became my home for five years. It's where, you know, I got my start in public service and politics. Um, and it's where I, you know, would learn who I was beyond, you know, urban Brittany from Detroit, who's parents that spent time in prison and you know whose mom has struggled with drugs and who you know lived in foster care and who was just trying to figure it out Tallahassee kind of kind of created for me like a fresh start mm-hmm. uh, and that that was my home in its own right and then we moved forward to DC after graduation and so on and so forth but right. I, finding home and and being stable wherever I went was a big part of you know, my coming into who I am now, you know? Right. So with taking such a huge transition, right, not only physically, but just, you know, the evolution of Brittany Mm -hmm. coming from this girl who got into so much trouble and had to adapt to that environment to now adapting in this new environment and the personality changes that kind of come with that. Mm -hmm. How did you manage that? And was it a, meaning like, was it a situation where you were, you know, very vocal about, listen, this is who I am, where I'm from and I'm not moving? Or was it like a silent transition? Was it more of an internal thing? Ooh. Just kind of talk. Yeah. What did Ooh. that look like? Okay. So it went in phases, right? It went in phases. So when I first left home, I was very vocal about my wanting to grow. Right. And okay. So in my friend group, who ironically, everybody that was close to me, all my roommates 
at the time were all from Detroit. So that felt like that felt comfortable to me. Um, so I was vocal about my experience to my close knit friend group. Mm-hmm. But as I began to kind of grow in a different space professionally, so I kind of started out, you know, I had the regular jobs, you know, I could not work, right? I come from a poor family, so I could not work in college. And so I had jobs like, you know, I was a, a, a after school tutor at the, the work study for an elementary school in Tallahassee. Mm. Then I moved on to being a math tutor um, at the learning commons at the, at the community college where that's where my love for adult education and helping people start over came from mm-hmm. all the, all the clients that I would have who were older and trying to figure it out, you know, at the community college level. And so I found joy in that. Then I moved on to be actually apartment maintenance at Seminole Grand where I lived. Um, wow. I was, I was in a maintenance person. I had did a couple, a little bit of hardware work in Michigan. And so I kind of took that skill one summer when I was out of work to to be like an apartment apartment maintenance person and that summer I took time to meet people and I got my first car and so I would go to you know all these little forums that I would see posted up around because I knew I wanted to do some form of outreach I just didn't know what Mm -hmm. Um, so after I got my job with the with the congress who the now congressperson Al Lawson I was like a professional volunteer on his campaign and then I would later on, you know, meet the the assistant secretary of the Florida Department of Juvenile Justice, where I kind of got my first shot at this like bureaucratic government, you know, public service thing. And so, um, you know, when I started to move in that space, everything became more internal because I didn't always feel comfortable. Like I was myself, you know, I was mm-hmm. funny and I was loud and I would joke. But I didn't always feel comfortable in spaces because being in Tallahassee is the first time I was around second and third generation people who had been to college and who had pledged sororities and who just lived this different lifestyle than me. So I was on a quest to kind of change so much and grow so much that I found myself hiding the parts of myself that I'm that I found that people might, you know, pick at or that I found embarrassing. Right. Like, mm. oh my God, I grew up poor or oh my God, I've been abused sexually or, oh my God, you know, I, I dated people who didn't, you know, I guess participate in legal activities or, oh my God, my parents are, you know, from the streets, you know, I, I kind of hid those parts of myself, even down to the people that I would date. You know, if I dated somebody who I felt like was a little bit of an upper, you know, upper class than I, than I was, I would, not share parts of myself that I felt like, you know, would change their opinion about me. And so everything became internal. So I, I, I learned, I took the time to learn how to dress and learn what to say in those rooms. And, you know, I would insert myself where necessary, but never really share my personal story, mm-hmm. you know, only sharing bits and pieces of it with people I felt, you know, deserved it. Um, but I was never fully, because it came, it came with a, 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 a fear of judgment. Wow. So that was internal for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then as I, oh, no. as I began to kind of grow and understand, it was no way that my who I was 
probably after I moved to D.C. and began to do real advocacy work on the Hill and with Obamacare and started working with people who were fresh out of prison and, you know, women who were um, victims of domestic violence, it became more apparent more and more that there's no way that you can kind of penetrate and help people if they don't understand who you are as a person. And so I began to become more comfortable. I began to kind of shed that, that fear of judgment from anybody I was dating or shed that like fear of, oh my God, this person's not going to like me. I began, I began to become far more comfortable with who I was. So it was like the more uncomfortable the room became, the harder it became to kind of mask who I was. And so I had no choice but to lean on the only thing I knew. And that was my personal experience. And that was my personal story. Mm. So there were times I would have to be vocal and I would have to grow to the point where I was comfortable enough to just be who I was because that's what I would have to lean on when I didn't know what fork to use at a gala or when I didn't know anybody in the room prior to me being there, right? Other than the fact that somebody gave me a job or an internship that required me to be in that room, but I had no social, you know, connections prior before that. Right. So it was it was a real journey and it was a long it was it was kind of a long road to getting to the point where I could sit on sit on a podcast and share even some of the things that I, just just the surface of who I am, right? But it took me a while, and it took for me to beat myself up for a long time internally, and then be so uncomfortable that I had no choice but to only lean on who I was as a as a person without that, you know, without the accolades and, and times where my education couldn't carry me, mm. you know, my story had to. Um, so you say where so, your education couldn't carry you, your story did. Yeah. There were times where my education, like there was, there was, it was like, I have a degree from fam. I've worked here. I've done this, but I'm in a room with a person who needs healthcare and they're just getting out of prison and this suit or whatever they taught us in professional development FAMU during forum is not quite cutting it. Mm. So who do I have to be right now? And who what what is it that's gonna carry uh me and this person to the finish line of making sure they understanding understand what Obamacare means for them? Mm. And that's where sometimes my personal experience, I will have to sit there and answer questions to people about me being able to even go to college. Or I had to ask their questions like, Well, how did you get this job? You know, you sound like you from around the way. So where did this job come from? Or, oh, you went to school. So there were times where there was no way I could kind of get to a person and their personal situation if I did not share the parts of me that identify with them so much. Wow. So in those times, I, you know. Yeah, so because you sharing that side of you is what allowed you to connect with the people that you wanted to serve in the first place is what it sounds right. like. Right, exactly. Right, exactly. And there were times where I felt like, you know, I was sipping the Kool-Aid for a while. <laughs> and I thought, you know, because I'm dressed enough and I have these pretty dresses on, I'm going to galas and I'm, you know, a part of the, the, the crew now, right? Like the Black Excellence crew that, you know, I kind of hid behind that. And I thought that was enough. Mm-hmm. But as God began to kind of take me along the journey, it was like, nah, sis, it's a reason for that. Like, there, there's a reason why, you know, you're in these rooms. And, you know, there would be times where it's like, oh, here's one of them. Yeah. You know, 
Yeah, education ain't gonna do it this time, sis. Right, you know, right. It has no proof, right? What a fan you did, right? <laughs> they so. don't. But it's the combination <laughs> of all those things, right, that even got you to that point is allowing you to, you know, realize the duality of the situation that you're in, or even you can pull from so many experiences in any room that you're in, which is what I love, mm-hmm. right? Like you can take that connection with that guy who doesn't understand Obamacare in this moment connect with him the way you need to and then still go in the back room and write up his paperwork or do whatever you need to do where your education does come in handy. You know, like that is, that's the most amazing part of your story to me is that you can be in both rooms and be valid and equally, you know, warranted in every space that you're in. And I love that. So (laughs) as you talk about that and stepping into your uniqueness what opportunities have been presented to you specifically because of your uniqueness, because of the combination of who Brittany is? And as Brittany began to share herself more, did you find that certain doors started opening up more or certain opportunities started to come to you? Oh, oh, um, my God. So, you know, that, that, that time at church where there's like a testimony session. <laughs> This little 30 seconds y'all giving me ain't enough. Right, right, right. To, to attest to, like, how good, you know, like, my God is, right? Um, this is what, that's one of those questions. It's like, well, how much time do you have, right? <laughs> <laughs> Speak, sis. We can make this two parts yeah, if we need how, to. How much time do you got? Cause do, do I need to, like, start at the beginning? Because, you know, he was, like, like, opportunities were presented from the very, like, from the time I decided to yield myself. To, to answer to that one letter from Tallahassee Community College till now where I'm running for city council, which I never thought I, if you had asked me 10 years ago, the girl sitting in the class or sitting on the city bus that I was eventually kicked off of, you know, on the way home from school, what I would be doing, running for city council was like not it. I can imagine. Like not, you know, maybe working at the strip club or maybe, you know, having, you know, me a little thugged out boyfriend or something. That that was that was like life. You know, that was like what the thing to do was. Mm-hmm. So so to be sitting on a podcast being asked, are there any opportunities that opened up? Like where do we need to start? Do we need to start in two thousand nine? <laughs> or do we need to start like now? Like do we need to go in the middle in like two thousand fifteen? You know, <clears throat> when I decided to leave DC or in two thousand sixteen when I was leaving DC and I wrote like I, I wrote my you know college letters it was the first time I would share professionally who I was I think I think that that for me was like a real big thing when I was coming to grad school and they said you know your personal statement has to be a little bit about who you are and I was sitting there staring at a Blake Microsoft Word document as I was applying uh, applying like well who am I Hmm. and I began to spout off right like I went to FAMU. I started at Tallahassee Community College. I worked for Nancy Pelosi. I did. I started to spout those things. The resume. Right. The resume. I hid. uh, That was the uh, one time where I hid behind it. And then I went and read the prompt again. And the prompt asked me nothing about. Like it was less about that. And it was more about. But when was there a time there was an obstacle and you had to get over it or who are you as a person? Mm. And that was the first time I was confronted with my why. Right? Like, I've, I've, I've had the job, you know, 
And I've always kind of, because I come from such a blue collar background, I've always felt like I had to work for everything, right? Like my showing up wasn't enough. Sometimes somehow I had to do. And then here I am about to write my personal statement to grad school and they're asking me, okay, who are you? Right. Mm-hmm. Because everybody who applies here has had a presidential internship or scholarship or whatever, you know, so who are you beyond that? Right. And that was the first time I had to answer that question for real. Um, and I believe that I opened up about um, the fight that I had gotten into in, in high school, which is the first time I shared that in a professional space. And then I remember even getting in grad school and joining different fellowships where you were being asked to share your story and understanding what, how, how your career would develop more naturally and, and more in line with, aligned with your vision for your life if you could share who you were. And for a long time, I felt like who I was wasn't enough. Hmm. So once I began to, you know, slowly but surely back away from, you know, oh, I worked at the Florida Department of Juvenile Justice and I was a dream defender where we protested the governor on behalf of Trayvon Martin. And, you know, once those things started to wear off and more and more people began to ask me who I was and the fact that I have, you know, taken on this very white space called NYU, I had to, there, like I said, I will always go back to there are times where my education couldn't carry me. And so once the opportunity for grad school opened up, you know, next thing I knew I was getting a scholarship to go there, you know, and all I did, I submitted my resume and I had great recommendation letters. But when I found myself crying, writing my personal statement is the first time where I was like, hey, yo, who I am just might be enough, right? Mm. Like this, this, is one, this is another time where my, my education ain't going to cut it. All those things they teach you in the hood where, you know, you got to go to school, you got to get an education and you get so caught up in like trying to get away from the things that make you who you are, you know, trying to live the American dream that you come across these moments where it's like, but wait a minute. I had it that's all along. That's the missing part. Right. Like, that's the missing piece. That's the magic. You know, no wonder I don't feel fulfilled. No wonder I don't feel like, I feel like I'm being somebody else every time I walk out the door because this is the missing part. And so once I began to do that, I became like BSA president at NYU and, you know, becoming a voice for first generation students and what that experience is like for people at NYU. And then you know, being the first grad student to get most influential on campus and just kind of being a person at the school that had a voice for, you know, for what people were really going through and sitting and talking to other students who, you know, maybe from another country that says, hey, you know, you took what my ideal of somebody who's African-American and growing up in the States and their experience, like I had all these preconceived notions and you, you know, stretched that for me you know, just mm. by you showing up and being who you are, you're stretching my thinking of what being African-American in the States looks like. You know, so it's little things like that that let me know it was okay. And so it, from small opportunities all the way to me running for council now, where there are times where I go in a room and I'm not from here. So, you know, in most towns, it's very territorial where people are like, well, who are you? If you didn't grow up here, what qualifies you? And sometimes 
the fact that I'm not from here, I may get caught up on that. But if I'm standing in the room with people who just need to hear some hope or just need to figure out, you know, what we going to do about this new development and what that means for my apartment and or or what does this mean for, you know, my commute to work or how are you guys going to create jobs for us in a city where most people don't make more than $45,000? Like, those are times where nothing that a, a master's degree or a bachelor's degree can do. So there are times where I have to share, like, hey, Detroit is a Black city that saw the same type of things that you all saw, right? Mm. That's the time where I have to share who I am and understand what that means for that seat, you know, if I were to be ever so grateful to be elected to that seat, here's what we share in common. And that's, and, and here's who I am. And here's, you know, here's what that means for you. And here's what that means for our community. And here's what that means for us as black people, right? Mm-hmm. Versus here's my degree. Here's my experience. Here's what I've done, right? Everybody that's running is qualified to run. Right. So what is it that sets you apart? And what is it about you that is going to carry these folks or carry your award over the finish line when you take that seat, you know? So So it's who you are that has qualified you, not necessarily what it is that you've done. Right. 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 And I love that. So a lot of what I talk about is this dichotomy or the parallel between being and doing. And of course, both sides. But I think sometimes we put so much weight on the doing side of things. We want to do all the things we want to perform and we want to have the accolades and we want to be successful and we want to have the money. And we, ha- we, we go through this whole checklist of things that we're supposed to accomplish and do throughout our lives. And we focus so much on that side that we forget or don't give as much weight to who you are. Like, how does all of this tie into who you are as a person or how does who you are as a person affect the things that you do need to do or the spaces that you can be in you know I think if we just need to kind of focus or give some more credit to that being side which is evident throughout your whole story like when you're talking about connecting with the people that you're serving or standing in those rooms and giving an opinion that is obviously you know something that's going to be valid and and make a difference a lot of that is coming from just who you are as a person who you've always been and obviously we all grow and evolve that's a part of life but the continuity in it is important the 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 key is that you didn't just you know cut your legs off and say well now from here up this is me don't look at the whole body just look right Just look from the waist up. You know, you're like, no, this is the whole person that's stepping into the room. You can't cut my legs off and expect all of Brittany to show up the way that you y'all need mm-hmm. her to show up for real. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I love that. Yeah, it's, I it's, love it's, that. It's, it's it's really interesting, honestly. But you know, politics is the funny thing because most days, you know, you're you they like the way we think about politics and the way we think about public service are just anything public, it's almost like you do have to like, like people expect you, which is why I think our generation thinks politics and being involved in politics might not be the ideal for us. And it's not something that's always appealing to us because there is this idea, particularly with black folks who quote unquote make it that you can't show up all the way Hmm. because there's this fear. If you do like, 
what is that going to mean? Are you going to touch the right audience? Are you going to be, you know, connecting with white folks enough? Are you going to be like, there's all these, these, these um, internalized, like oppressive things that we carry with us. And I think that our, our spirit of like doing comes from our long struggle of having to be validated through having to be twice as good. And I think that's a good point. I think that our our generation is saying, hey, no, who I am is enough. There are people who are making money on Instagram and on social media and on YouTube by showing up and talking and just being who they are. Right. Right. And so it kind of our generation is kind of pushing back and saying, no, I'm I'm gonna go get my degree and I'm gonna be black and I'm gonna be excellent and I'm gonna be all these things and I'm gonna do and my resume is gonna look good. But you also going to know that I vacation. And you're also right. going to know that I like to wear outfits and put a nice caption up here that's some trap music. And, right. You know, you're going to like it or love it or not. And you're going to take all of who I am. You're also going to know that I travel, you know, around the country in my spare time. You're also going to know that, you know, I donate to this organization. Like, we're no longer taking the 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 salary and the job for 50 years for survival anymore and I thank God for our ancestors who kind of laid that foundation so that we can be a little bit spoiled and focus on who we are right like no I'm actually going to take some vacation time and mm-hmm. I'm going to hang out with my friends and brunch on the weekend and I'm still going to be excellent and I'm going to show up on Monday as an ambassador or as a diplomat as some of my friends are or you know in your case like as a person who does podcasts and as a person who, you know, inspires people, like I'm going to be all these things and you're going to like it. And I'm also going to wear my hair natural. <laughs> and I'm also going to wear a dress that's a little bit tighter and I'm going to wear some contour and highlight and it not be the most conservative thing that I was taught in professional development. And you're going to like it and you're going to accept it because this is who I am. And I think that I just happen to be fortunate enough. Some of it is having to struggle through it. And some of it is, you know, learning to be okay with who I was. But another part of it is being fortunate enough to be a millennial where that's just what we do, right? right. Like, we don't like something, we clapping back on Twitter and we might use a cuss word. Right. We might use or ain't. And, and if, you, if you don't like that and if you can't accept that, then it's almost like you, you're counting out an entire generation of people who are going to make up our workforce or who are going to make up you know, our, our, our new con- congressional seats and our new council seats and our new, you know, hair and makeup lines and our new natural hair care products. And like, mm-hmm. we're the new CEOs. We have tattoos, you know, right. we come with our scars. We are doctors with full sleeves, you know, of artwork on our bodies. Right. And, and people are going to have to just be okay with that unless they just don't want a future of like, right. Anything. Right, right. Yeah, because that's the thing. As as you said, as millennials, we move very different. We move different and we're relearning a lot about ourselves, about the world around us, about what is okay and what's not okay. You know, we're relearning a lot of things. And I think a part of that relearning is acceptance, particularly Mm -hmm. for diverse communities, where there was a standard at one point that everyone was expected to work against that is no longer considered a standard at least not to us so Mm -hmm. as we shift I think it's our responsibility to push the culture forward or shift everyone else's opinions or 
you know, shift societal opinions by first doing our work to show up. Things won't change mm-hmm. if we're not changing them. Things will, there's no way to, to expect someone to accept tattoos if we're never showing them our tattoos. Mm-hmm. If no one knows what a natural fro looks like, how can you expect them to think that it's okay? They may mm-hmm. be uncomfortable with it once you reveal it, but they'll get over it. They'll mm-hmm. get used to it. You know, like mm-hmm. people may raise their eyebrows at the fact that you come from a certain place. But when you start, when you open your mouth and you start spitting out the facts that your education that, you know, does give you or that you do know, they'll just have to get over the fact or rewire in their head. Like, okay, a girl with this background can be smart, can be you know, a city council member can be this, like before you, they never made that correlation before. And so, you know, honestly, I have a lot of empathy for that. You know, I think sometimes we, we just expect them, accept our, expect acceptance, right? Mm-hmm. You're not always going to get it. I think, you know, you're going to walk in rooms that, and you're going to shake things up, Britt, like, Honestly, Uh there's going to be some people who's never seen something like that before. So I actually have empathy for that that situation because they've they've literally not like this is brand new to them. So, you know, I'm happy to share this with you and share this side of myself with you. But I understand that this is new for you. So as long as you're not disrespectful, let's go ahead and just cross this border. Let's meet in the middle some kind of way, you know, like obviously you can you can be new and have a, a sense of bewilderment, but not be disrespectful with it. And I'll help you meet you. I'll help meet you halfway. You know, like, let's take something as simple as hair, right? Like, if you got a question, I answer all your questions, sis. You don't, you don't, just don't come up and touch me. Don't grab my hair. But, you know, I, I'll, answer, I'll answer the question. That's a simple example that just, yeah. you know, I like analogy. So that's what I threw out there. But that's what I was, the point I'm making is, we are going to have a lot of learning opportunities as we show up. That's good. Authentically. Right. Because, but that's our job to do first. And, you know, kudos to you to for sharing that because you are shaking a lot of folks up with your full story. Right. If you were to just start the story with, I went to college, I went to grad school and now I'm running for city council. Okay. You know, that's the story I've heard before. But when right, you like start, duh. right, you know, that's what you're supposed, that's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> but when you start the story with, I was in foster care, you know, I was expelled, I was this, I was that, and then lead you all the way, lead us into where you are now, it's like, wow, like that's the magic. There it is. So yeah. that is, that is it. Like, that's what, honestly, y'all, if y'all wondered, you know, what is why why is Britain on the Living Align podcast? This is why. Because oh she God. is because <laughs> she is literally and of course I, I cheated, you know, like I said, I know Britney's and I and I know her full story. And she was like one of the first people that I really wanted to get on this show as one of my first guests because it is the perfect example of how bringing your whole and authentic self can allow you to really feel free within yourself and it frees you to fully serve authentically and you know purposefully if Brittany were to hide any part of her 
it would not be half as effective as it is now. And her owning that and her owning her story, you owning your story, I'm talking like I'm like you're not on the phone or on this podcast. You owning your story is, you know, that's the magic. And I keep saying the magic because it really is. I, I want to try to find a better word for this eventually. But until I do, that is that is the magic of it. And I and I love the the authenticity in the way that you are able to show up now at every point. And, and thank you for speaking about it on a podcast. I know these moments are not, you know, those aren't always easy for you because, you know, this is still a relatively new space for you to be in and, oh my God. and, and share yeah. these stories. So, you know, I'm oh just going to give you your, your props, you know, thank you. And I feel so honored that you are sharing with me and my listeners. So thank you so much. Yeah, um, no. It's an equal honor. I mean, honestly, you know, God God is like a, a, a weird guy, right? Like he, I mean, you know, there are days where I think God's a woman and I'm just going to stand by that. But <laughs> um, for the purposes of the Bible that I read, which calls him he, right? He's right. like, he's like, you know, just really weird in that way because he's kind of made me uncomfortable. I'm always the person in the back that like, you know, just doing, you know, I'm you know who I am but like you know when I moved here like it kind of forced me to kind of come to terms with when I had to have meetings with folks who would support me and listening to why they support me or people attributing things to me that I kind of know is there and I just feel comfortable sharing it with my friends and family and you know doing those little secret you know tutoring sections or you know maybe helping somebody get their GED on the side you know something small like that because so much of like who I thought my purpose was, was like, you know, in my job. And I strategically chose jobs and, and choose like different career decisions that put me in a position to serve people. So for me, it was almost like implied in what I was doing every day. Like it, it just so happened that the check that I was taking home, you know, the, the way I earned that check didn't feel like work because it was natural, right? Like mm -hmm. everything I did professionally was kind of always, as we say, like aligned with mm -hmm. who I was, but running for office and having to take a public seat, which actually started at, you know, I mean, I was a senator at FAM, but, you know, that was even still a little bit more professional, but having to take a seat where people at every second are trying to figure out who you are, like, literally, you get in, like, you taking on this new role of, like, servant leadership is based on who you are as a person. Like, people want to look at your Instagram. They want to see, you know, like where you party at and what you do. And for me, as you know, like I'm, I, I pride myself on being like, you know, of uh, like I, I'm all like I'm a fan of all things ratchet and like you know, like that's just who I am. I'm a fan of pop culture and all things black. And so, you know, not actually having someone say, "Hey, what's your Instagram?" and the trying to look in your saying, life, right? Yeah, like like asking about who I am, nothing about what I've done ever comes up in conversations anymore. People, whether it's a voter or a donor, they want to know, but who are you, right? Like, mm. we know your resume, you know, the chairman or whoever it is that introduced us, you know, um, they told us, you know, who you were professionally, but people really want to know, like, who, like, who they're, they're putting their trust in. It's almost like a trust exchange. And when the fact that I'm no longer ashamed to give somebody, you know, my Instagram or 
it doesn't alarm me when somebody's looking on my Facebook page because I'm fully okay with who I am, whether it's a picture where I was at a party or whether it was a picture of, you know, me, you know, showing off an outfit that was super nice that I scoured boohoo.com for for hours to figure out whether I was going to wear it. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, to be able to not be ashamed of that and to mm-hmm. proudly give somebody my social media handle or to proudly say, you know, oh, well, you know, I heard that, you know, you came from Detroit and you may have seen a couple of rough patches. To be able to proudly write that as a part of my campaign story, that was a journey. Yeah. And that took me a long time to get to, but it seems like when I did is when God was like, okay, I'm ready now. Like, I'm, I'm ready when you are. And now that you, you know, we got you to the point where you you are where I need you to be. And I'm not perfect, right, by long shot. But nobody is. And I think that people need to see that. And somebody who's saying, hey, allow me to make decisions on your behalf. They need to see that, you know, you're like me. And I think that we've kind of gotten away from that. Like, we've been allowed to be educated and you know, go off and make a different, you know, salary than the average person, you know, and we forget a little bit. Sometimes we forget in the brunches and the, and the educated conversations and the screen teas where we have to be woke saying, you know, stand with black women. And we forget that who our advocacy really, you know, really is for. And it's for people who don't feel like they can speak for themselves. And sometimes Mm -hmm. you need to have had to be there where a person actually was at some point in order to really make a decision on their behalf, right? So until they can get to college, until they can, you know, file to run for an election to speak on behalf of themselves, I I was that person. I am that person. And yep. so God allowed me to be in this position, if for nothing else, to go maybe even go visit a school where there's a girl who is on the brink of probably getting kicked out and not even knowing what she's going to do with her life. And even if she doesn't take my same path, she may need to know that, hey, it it doesn't it somebody can come from something that's not pretty and still end up okay. Mm. You know. And for me, that's what this really is about. Like being just just showing up and being a person that, you know, exemplifies hope for people. And like that's still a real thing. And I think that still should be a goal for people, no matter what you're doing. I don't care if you're the CEO of whatever. At some point, if you are a person of color in the United States or anywhere. I think that your goal should be to, whether it's one person, two people, or a whole city of folks like I'm doing, your goal should be to make sure that people can look at your life and say, hey, here's what hope look like, looks like. Because we haven't gotten there yet. This is, mm-hmm. We still got a long way to go, you know? Oh, so love it. Love it. So yeah. I have, my final question for you is two parts, actually. Um what did you have to let go of in order to put yourself in this alignment that you're in? And how did you know when you hit it? Like, how did you know when, okay, this is it. I'm in alignment. So how did, yeah. What did you have to let go of and how did you know when you were on the right path? So sometimes I still don't know if I'm on the right path. Like that's honest. Like if you really wanted like me to be honest and like politics aside, like, like, I still don't know all the time, right? Because my little mm-hmm. human mind always has these little things for myself. Like, if, if at the core of who I am, all I really want to be one day is just like, okay. Like, I, you know, most days if I could just lay in the bed and like, you know, get up and like a party is all I had to do for that day. Like, 
I personally, like me in my natural self would be fine. But when I think about the purpose and the calling on my life, most of the time I know I'm in alignment when God provides the resources and he puts everything in place for me to be able to do so. So for example, when it was time for me to go to grad school and I was trying to figure that out, I had a choice between Cambridge at Harvard um, and Italy and NYU, right? And here I am at a crossroad and every door that I was supposed to walk through, um, I knew I was aligned because God would close all the other doors and then all of a sudden the resources were falling in place. So everything I might have been worried about goes out the window. So he provides a place to live and he provides the people. I always say that he approves my paths by the people he sends me. Mm. And he provides me with these great people everywhere I go. And then, you know, it just kind of makes everything better. And so I typically know that I'm when, I, when I'm confused about whether I'm aligned a lot, I look around and look at in what ways did he provide the resources for me to be doing what I'm doing? And if I look around and I see no real way of, of getting it done, or if I see no real way of, of a certain thing happening, that's how I know that it's me and it's not him. But when it's, when I'm aligned with my source, which for me is God, the resources are there. The people are there. The job is there. The finances are there. Um, and I may have to kind of struggle to figure it out like it doesn't mean that I don't struggle it just means that the day I decided to go along with his way he made things a little easier for me to kind of see and so those are the times where I know that I'm aligned Um, and the thing that I had to give up the things plural that I had to give up were um, control Mm. Um, control again (laughs) Or the pause for emphasis, or or like, or like the feeling, the 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 feeling to have to be in control, right? Like I had the illusion of control, right? Like the illusion of control, or the need to be in control, right? Mm -hmm. I had to give that up. I really had to give that up. And you know, my background, you know, I'm very like you know, being stable and creating normalcy. Like I said at the beginning, is very important to me. So it kind of turned me into like this control person, like everything has to be regimented and you know I have to know what's going on in order for me to really feel like things are moving and the more God kind of like takes those reins and like the higher I go the the more the it's almost like a necessity to submit because again there are rooms that I'm going into where there's nothing that I personally mediocre carnal Brittany can do there's sometimes I have to submit to a greater power and so I had to give up the need to have to be in control and I and and that's a daily struggle right Mm -hmm. and then lastly it's fear like fear of failure fear of you know embarrassment about where I come from the fear of you know like judgment I had to give up um, just this fear that like I'm not enough hmm. right how could a girl who who was born on crack and had to go through all these things like how could you be enough and for a long time I really really struggled with that and so as I grow from that and as I give that up 
things start to become better and things start to become clear. And it's not easy, right? Like giving up the, even the fear of like being judged for being only being in a room because I'm fair skinned and petite and, you know, I'm less intimate, you know, I'm, I'm less, you know, intimidating, right? Like I even struggle with that. You know, maybe I got in this room because, you know, I fit the status quo of what success is supposed to look like. And what if there's like this imposter syndrome, right? Like there's all these different, things that we go through and I think that that's a woman thing a lot of it but I had to give up you know those those fears of, of not being enough so what if I fail and all those questions that we kind of bog ourselves down with so um I know that was a lot but that was you can't, perfect. like you you can't you can't talk about giving up something and it only be one thing right because we we as humans tend to like make it a little harder for ourselves by the things we want to hold on to. And so mm-hmm. once I began to, I, I began to gain by giving up things and I'm still doing it. So like, stay tuned. Like I hope <laughs> this conversation and I find more stuff to give up because the more I give up, the more I gain. So it's just like, I'm, I'm just going to be giving it all away in 2019. Sis. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's right. And listen, I can already feel a part two coming. Because there's <laughs> like just knowing you, I'm like, man, we're already an hour in, and I know there's so much more I know that's in you that I want to ask, but you know, attention spans are are what they are. We are, you know, millennials, so I'll be respectful right, of that. Right. But Britt, like, thank you so much for sharing all of this. This is so valuable, and I think you hit on so many. So, so many key points in there, particularly that last one is that you, how much you started to gain once you started to give up all the things that you were holding on to so comfortably. Um, some of which we don't even realize that we are, you know, it, 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 it hits us in different moments. So, which brings it to, you to, the, uh, to the other point that you're making that is like, it's a continuous process because, you know, you let go of the fear on one level just to walk into a next level and be hit with it again. So it's like, man, like I just got rid of this. Now I got to do this again, you know? Girl. And (laughs) it's, it's a continuous process, but for your North star, what it is that you're aligning to every day, like me knowing you, I can speak for you on this. Like this, that's what gets you up. That's what is, you know, pushing you forward because you do truly have that heart for servant leadership. And you really do want to serve and speak for the people who don't have a voice and stay connected to where you're from and use and leverage all of that and being fully authentic. And I think, again, this is like the perfect conversation to illustrate that. Um, So I won't do it. I think from the horse's mouth, is there anything else? I know, like I said, you don't, if you don't have nothing else to say, Britt, you've said so much already, but I just (laughs) want to give you the opportunity. If there's anyone else out there who is struggling with, you know, bringing their full self into a certain space, be it professionally or be it in relationships. I know you kind of, you kind of sort of touched on that. That may be our part two. I don't know. Like oh, sometimes, honey, right. Honey. You know, holding, holding honey. back parts of yourself in relationships, you know, <laughs> that's, that's a thing, especially as women, you know, we, we are two, three honey. different people depending on who you're talking to, because, oh my you know, that, that fear of being judged, you know, you know, anything so just keeping it general for now until we get to the part two for anyone who feels like they can't bring their whole self they have to pull back in some way 
what would you tell them to try to get them through? Oh, let it go. Let it go. Listen, let it go. Be as loud and as brown and as proud and as weave wearing and as <laughs> Instagram surfing and all those things that, that, that you feel like you need to be. Because life is about like ebbs and flows. And I think we live for like these big moments. I think social media does it to us. Um, and having a, having had a friend who, you know, who passed away recently, you know, and I think a lot of it was pressure, you know, from like just living in this world where we live for these big moments, right? And everything is about sharing like the big moments and not realizing that life is about ebbs and flows and there are times Mm -hmm. where you have up seasons and there are times where you have down seasons and there are times where you have just those times where you're coasting and I find that those are the times that you learn to be okay with who you are because in the absence of the big moment that you can't post just yet or in on the way to get in that new house or that new car that new job or in the in on the way to kind of Showing up, right? Like I wasn't always the popular girl with the hundreds of likes on on Instagram, and you know that, right? Uh-huh. Like I wasn't always that, you know. And I gave, and it's about giving a hundred percent to wherever you are, and being kind with yourself while you're there, right? Like living every day, like the big moment is gonna come, but I'm gonna give a hundred percent and be a good steward over where God has me now, so that when it's time to kind of step out on the main stage or when it's time to share those big moments and we all have them and whatever that is what is for you know you you know whatever it is it's okay it doesn't have to be my moment or it doesn't have to be Sasha's moment or it doesn't have to be anybody else's moment although you may gain inspiration from it whatever that big moment is for you I would just encourage people to give a hundred percent to where they are now right like when I was in, in school getting kicked out, I had no care in the world for who I was about to be. I was busy being and trying to figure out who Brittany was at that time, right? Like, and when I was in Tallahassee, I was working a, like maintenance and being a tutor every day until God made me uncomfortable and gave me something else. So all mm. that I was supposed to be as the maintenance person at the apartment complex and as the intern for the Department of Juvenile Justice and then later on the employee, and then later on the protester, and then later on the intern in D.C., everything that I was supposed to be in those times, I gave 100% to those things. I was like literally just living at that time. And I had goals and I had dreams, but I would just encourage people to kind of be content and love on themselves where they are now. Because the next levels are going to come with their own things, and the last thing I want to be is like not ready. And not okay, and not take the opportunity to trust God for who He is wherever I am at that time, right? Or and, miss out and, on what's happening with right in front of you. Yeah, yeah. Like you couldn't have told me I would be running for office ten, like ten years ago. Like I was on Claremont in Detroit, living my best life, and <laughs> you know, riding the streets with the windows down, hanging out the roof. You know what I'm saying? And that's okay, right? Like that's. That's the right, and that's the reason why you know I can go in the room now, and they can play gospel music, and I'll be fine because you know I've I've had that, and I and I hold on to that. But there's something a little bit about trap music that gets me going as well, and it was, and it's and it's being okay with that, like that's who I am, you know. 
And so I would just encourage people to be okay with, be okay with your 25 likes so that when 400 and 500 likes come on Instagram, if I have to put it in those terms, you, you ain't, it ain't going to your head and you missing the point of why you there, right? Like Mm. be okay where you are. Be okay with where you are. Yeah. That's, that's what I would tell people. Be okay with where you are. Cause trust me, that day is going to come where, that big moment is going to be here, and the last thing you want to be is not ready, and not and and not and not ready to receive. And so, give up, be okay, be content, sacrifice so that you can gain. And those are really that's really all I have to say. <laughs> that is perfect. Thank you so much, Britt. I really really appreciate you. You guys, if you want to reach her, I'll put her information on in the show notes. Like I said, she's running for office and we are at the moment accepting donations. Are we still doing that, Britt? Oh, we're accepting donations, y'all. Listen, we want we we need to get somebody like this in in office. So, you know, that's my prerogative to say. I don't know if there's rules against the listen or whatever, but this is the Living Aligned podcast. And here we support people who are living in alignment and we are supporting people who have a heart to serve and who are doing so fully and authentically. So all of that's going to go on the show notes, where to find her, how to support her, all of that good stuff. And my dear friend, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Like I said, Britt, a part two is absolutely coming because I know you got way more in you. And listen, I can't listen. wait. It's, an, I can't it's wait. an honor to be here, right? Like, it's such an honor to be here because I feel like we like Oprah and Gail and we like living <laughs> our best lives and like we're sharing with each other. And it's an honor to be here. And for those people who kind of want to keep up with the journey, you know, I mean, I, 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 I still think of myself as just a regular girl trying to do good and look good doing it. But, you know, if you want to follow me on Instagram, my name is simply just Brittany Claybrooks underscore. You know, very simple. Um, my page is private now because everybody can't be viewing it, but I do accept everybody. So I probably need to just make it public. Um, <laughs> and then on Facebook, I'm Brittany D. Claybrooks, where you'll find like, you know, my fundraising link and all of that stuff. You know, they say, you know, a heart to serve is free, but providing the service ain't free. It's, it costs Listen, <laughs> listen, cars don't drive itself. You need gas to get to these meetings. <laughs> You need, what? you know, <laughs> all these little things add up. I know, what? I know. They so up. they add up, and so and so five dollars, ten dollars is important to me. But you know, that's not, you know, but you you can find that on my social media. But being here was an honor, and I would do it for free if I wasn't running or if I wasn't doing nothing but you know chilling. I would, you know, share with you because I think these things are really, 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 really super important. It's an honor to be here and to kind of watch you grow into you know, living aligned with whatever, what, what, what God, you know, has set out for you, which is major. And it's just an honor to watch. And so, yeah, let's stay tuned with each other, you know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> thank you so much, Britt. And thank you guys for listening. Uh, again, her information is going to be in the show notes. So ne- until next time, y'all, and look out for this part two that we drag her back into. Um, Ooh, and if- relationship, <laughs> my God. As always, you can always follow the conversation. Uh, with us at Living Align on Instagram or, you know, connect with myself uh, at Sasha underscore M-A-T-T. So until next time, y'all, thanks for tuning in. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you hear, please go ahead and rate, review, and subscribe. 
and follow us on Instagram at Living Aligned. We'd love to keep the conversation going there and I'd love to stay connected with you guys. Until next time. Thank you.